So that was uh, Glenn Rolls from La Liga there, uh, Nathan. Very interesting guest with a lot on his plate. Yeah, it's a tough ask, isn't it, to promote La Liga in this part of the region. It's so competitive. And one thing I was going to ask Glenn was uh, talking about the saturation of the mm. Australian market because there's not only so much football to compete with, but there's so much sport to compete with. And mm. how do you cut through all the local stuff as well? It's a, a tough challenge. It's tough not to crack. And it would have been interesting to hear Glenn's thoughts on that. Maybe we can ask him that when we, when we uh, bring him back on. Mm. The other thing I'd like to, um, which we didn't get a chance to uh, uh, speak to Glenn, the other thing I'd like to mention, uh, speak about is it seems to me that La Liga have, can position themselves as a league of sustainability in sport. Right. And there's obviously a few things that they can't, that Glenn wouldn't be able to talk about. One, but the Barcelona issue, right? <laughs> Which reared its head this week again as well with the president. Again, again and again and again. That's right. So, in a couple of different forms. So, there were obviously bearing in mind that there are a couple of things that Glenn couldn't talk about, but I, I'm sure that when you look at the, uh, the La Liga model uh, against the, EPL model currently, and we can assume, I think it's been, you know, sprouted before that the EPL appears to be the Super League that we football fans were either fearing or, I mean, I didn't have a fear of the Super League, but I get, I, I get the concerns around it, right? So, and the EPL is just, it's, you know, the Super League manifests itself just within, you know, within England itself. Do you think we think that because we're such a, we're so aligned to English culture and just beyond the language. Are we as a society in Australia here as a group more concerned with the Premier League than, say, other parts of the world? And I can echo this sort of rhetoric when it comes to the States as well. Sure. That because we speak English predominantly mm -hmm. and there's not too many Spanish speakers that don't have some sort of Spanish heritage mm -hmm. in Australia, mm -hmm. is there this, in this feeling that the Premier League is a de facto Super League because that's the one that we watch ourselves most often. Is it a bit more of a – is that our own doing, that feeling I, of it being, I, it being a Super League? I don't think it's that per se. I actually think it's the amount of money that's in the game in the UK or in, in England in particular in the in the APL rather than, rather than anything else. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where the differentiation comes into it. I say that because, yes, the commercial side of it is the Premier League's on a whole other level, obviously. And yeah. Glenn touched on it. Mm. The Premier League being commercialised since 92 mm -hmm. is a major reason as to why it is so attractive in terms of eyeballs and sponsors and the commercial money that can come into the English game. But we have Spanish clubs do so well in Europe and they are competitive. I think there's a, a pretty good chance that we'll see a Spanish win of the Champions League this season. Mm -hmm. You'd like to see that? Of course I would. I think we're more likely to see a Spanish winner of the Champions League than an English one this time around. Yes. So is it all doom and gloom? Is oh. it really that bad? Or are we going to see an Italian winner of the Champions League this time around? I don't think anyone's going to begrudge that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think this time Except around. rival clubs of yeah. uh, that particular one, whoever it might be. <laughs> mm, mm. No, but, uh, but you raise a good point there. You raise a good point there. I, I just think that the EPL itself has become um, somewhat of a, a Super League. But, um, yeah, it's. I just think that La Liga appear to be trying to position themselves as the League of Sustainability and a model of sustainability within football. And that's with Javier Tebas coming out and saying the things that he says and the way that they're trying to position the league. See, at this point, I think he has to because if... The Liga is to become on par with the Premier League in terms of those factors that we were talking about. There needs to be a collective effort. And mm. how's the saying go? A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, and I believe that's the saying. You need the clubs that are mid-table, ones that are a bit more of a yo-yo status mm. to grow in the commercial side of things as well. It can't just be the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atleti, and then the next tier down, the likes of the mm. Valencias, the Real Betis, the Sevillas mm. of the world. There needs to be clubs on the next rung down that sure. lift as well. Because if you look at the English equivalents, even on that level, the size that are in the bottom third mm -hmm. of the Premier League compared to the bottom third of La Liga, mm -hmm. it's a massive difference. They mm. might as well not even be in the same sport. Yeah, yeah. Because you have managers 
coming from decent Spanish clubs going to relegation teams in the Premier League, mm. which doesn't compute at all to me. Look, how Lopetegui's ended up at Wolves, how Emery's at Aston Villa, it shouldn't be happening. As great as it is for those clubs, mm-hmm. realistically, it shouldn't be happening. You wouldn't see someone like uh, a Pochettino go look, to a club like Ibar. Look, with regard to Emery in particular and Aston Villa, Aston Villa are European Cup winners. Yes, they so are, but the cl- so the club itself they haven't is been that sort of level of club for such a long time now. No, but I would contend that Villa are probably the Villarreal of the EPL, and Embry did a bloody good job at Villarreal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely did. Uh, it's a fair comparison, I suppose. Mm. Speaking of yo-yo clubs, how's your club going in England? <laughs> oh, that's uncalled for. A yo-yo club. <laughs> Oh, they're up and down like a yo-yo, that Manchester United. Um, Are we going to come onto this now? We, we can come onto it, but let's not. Let's hold our fire on that. I just couldn't help myself. I just want to make that point about a yo-yo club. No, but I mean, we can stay on that topic and get it out of the we, way. We can, but let's not. Let's talk about the madness that's happened with Leicester, Chelsea, mm. and other things as well. I mean, it's been a crazy week in fo- in football. I don't think it's finished either, to be honest. No. On that, okay. on that front, in you terms think... of managerials. So, to recap, I, I believe we've had 12 manager changes in the EPL this season. Or yep. is that, it, may, it may have been 13, but 12 clubs have actually changed managers. It's just incredible. With Chelsea it having is a changed record. twice. It's a record for the Premier League, and it, it's just crazy, isn't it? I saw Roberto De Zerbi is now 10th or 11th. Longest serving manager in the Premier League. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. I think Eddie Howe is the fourth longest serving manager. How? Because you know it's so. Did, Klopp did you get is, my pun? Did you get my pun? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I just chose to ignore it because your puns have been terrible lately. <laughs> oh, the backpackers love them. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, but and that reminds me of I've got a shout out actually, but we'll do that later as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's just a crazy set of circumstances. Now, you, I didn't believe that Potter would actually be sacked during this season. I actually thought he would see the season out. But this just flies in the face of what Bowley and his partners have said about Chelsea and it being a project. And it, it just strikes me again as football manager gone wrong. Look, for mine, I think... The plan always was to keep Potter to the end of the season. And maybe you get rid of him in the summer. Maybe you give him until Christmas to see if it can come good. Because I think there was genuine intention of a project there at Chelsea. Because you bring in a manager who has a a, a real background in data, in scientific analysis of performances and recruitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's not something that you bring in, expect short-term results, and then fire him for not getting short-term results. Yes, the results have been terrible under Potter at Chelsea. And I don't think they have a real chance of getting past Real Madrid in the Champions League, Potter or no Potter. But I think the prize sacking for Nagelsmann is the reason why they've acted. Yeah, I, I think, think I think that's what if it is Nagelsmann too. Were, If Nagelsmann was still buying, mm-hmm. I don't think Potter gets sacked. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right there. I think you're right because there. Because if Chelsea have a little bit of a recovery... I don't think they can get top four no matter how well they do it towards the end of the season. They're going to drop too many points and they're too far back. So even if they have a bit of a boost and they come sixth, seventh, what does what good does that even do them playing Europa League or Conference League next season? With all due respect, Chelsea, they're not going to appreciate any sort of benefits you can get from those competitions. Mm. I think Chelsea and Liverpool miss out on Europe this season. Based on the performance this morning, yeah. Jeez, that was woeful. Graham Potter was talking up that game after the match on the weekend. <laughs> so we've got a fantastic game coming up. That Chelsea is against the, Liverpool. Yeah. Well, if you think about it in in league, like if you think about it, including the cup finals from last season, I make that out to be the last six encounters between Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool Chelsea have been nil all. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It is. It is. They've just. I don't know what it is, but. That is probably, I mean, if you take all the big six teams in the matches that they play against each other, throw Newcastle in there too now, big seven, that's the fixture that you look forward to the least. I think no, no, now, no. You, you, Chelsea. Can, you can take Spurs out. 
You can take Spurs out. They're no longer a big six spot. <laughs> Spurs cop it every week. I love that we could, we could be talking about absolutely anything well, on this gonna, pod. Yeah. And Spurs are the butt of the joke. It's hilarious. Well, I love it. <laughs> and I'm sure the Spurs fans love it too. But we're going to talk about Spurs as well. But I mean, look, there's so much to, to get across. Uh, you know, we could, this up all night could be up all night or up absolutely. late could be up all night. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, but with, with Potter and Chelsea. Mm, mm. You can't begrudge Potter for going in the first place. Of course not. Yes, we all said at the time it's disappointing that he didn't see the Brighton project through. Mm-hmm. At the time, we didn't realise how good they'd be with the Zerbi at the helm. Well, Brighton have improved. Yeah, absolutely. You can't argue with that whatsoever. Not at they all. They actually have some attacking impetus. They, uh, they're they a better they, side they to score watch. Goals. They, they're a better side to watch under the Zerbi. They are. And yes, maybe Evan Ferguson wasn't there under Potter or not in the same mould that he is now, but... They play so much better. They, the football is fantastic to watch. They are the best team to watch in the league, bar none. Yeah, I, I go with that. And I go with that. Chelsea under Potter, yes, again, Chelsea don't have a proper number nine, but they have the same problems that Potter did at Brighton. Mm. They, they meet, they play nice football, it's they easy on goals. the eye, but they can't put the ball in the back of the net. You're right, they, and They can't score goals. Yeah. And yes, Joe Felix, great player. Kai Havertz, it's not been a good time for him at Chelsea. I, I think the uh, the jig is up for Kai Havertz, unless Nagelsmann can transform him into the player that he was at, at uh, Leverkusen before you're he gonna came. Laugh, you're going to laugh about Havertz. I read something that last season, during the course of last season, he decided that he would try and become more professional in his um, diet and mm. uh, decided that he would cut sugar out of his diet, only to find that it, was, um, uh, that it affected him. And he felt that it affected his performance. So he's all for eating snakes, gummy bears, and he's a sugar freak, <laughs> self-declared sugar freak. So there you go. And that's why apparently oh. he's playing better this season. But anyway. Because he's back on the gummy bears. According to him. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, he's got to watch out post-career then. Because yeah. habits like that. Uh, well, that could be CBD gummies. We don't know that. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I thought I I'd think, just th- throw that segue yeah. in there. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's a good one. <laughs> good little interjection. And uh, positive for Chelsea. I think Conte being back in, he had a good game. Conte, yeah. I'll tell you what. Actually, and there's another thing. I mean, Chelsea. You, tell me, who do, you, who do you think Conte, how many games do you think Conte has played under the recent managers at Chelsea at home? Matches at home that Conte has played under, mm. say, Potter. Would you believe it's got to be, be less than five? Yeah. Well, would you believe that his last three games at home, he's had three different managers? <laughs> That's only this week. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Cantos had his, you know, injury troubles, but um, yeah. So he played one, obviously the first game um, under the current manager, caretaker manager. Uh, he's played one game under Tommy Tuchel and Tommy one Tickles. game. Yeah, and one game under Graham Potter. There is last three wow. home games for Chelsea, and you wouldn't put a you would not put it past Chelsea for his next home game to be under the new manager. No, might be four from four. So, is this a, a hangover from the Abramovich era? Is this a change in direction from the new ownership of Chelsea to kind of reflect what's brought success to the club in recent times? Is this a cry out to Jose? It's a Jose, I should say, not Jose. Jose, could you imagine Jose going back? I can't. But yeah, neither. Um, where did Chelsea go from here? Because aside from down, where do they go? It's got to be Nagelsmann. It has to be. Yeah, it has Pochett- to be. Pochettino and doesn't go. I think if Nagelsmann knocks Chelsea back, say he wants a bit of a break from football, Guardiola style, or mm-hmm. he's got his eyes set on Madrid, possibly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Then you have to go. Maybe Pochettino would be a good option, not a great option, I'd say. Um, Luis Enrique intrigues me, but his yeah. football with the Spain national team towards the end was boring. Mm-hmm. If they can attract Zidane, no, I don't think they can. But I, I see his name banded about by sacking Grand Potter. You have to get Nagelsmann, otherwise it's a bad move. I think that's the only move that they're banking on. And like we said last week, that. Um, we understand that uh, Nagelsmann and Todd Bowley are friends. So 
Let's watch this space with regards to Chelsea. But moving to Spurs. <laughs> again. Oh, go on, Laz. What now? No, look, the Spurs fans are frustrated, you know, from what they saw. They actually thought it was a continuation of Conte ball, and I don't blame them. Fossil football. <laughs> so do you think Spurs are on the slide now? Do we think that they're, they're likely to implode in the next nine games? And Not any more than they already have, to be yeah. honest. I think, yes, the performance of Goodison, it was good for like 70 minutes, 75 Lucas Moura comes on, gets mm. sent off, and then they just crumble. Mm. Typical Spurs. Mm. That shot from Michael Keane, unbelievable strike. He'll yeah. never hit a ball better again. Yeah. But it is a one-off. Yeah. And it's unlucky for Tottenham. They may have brought it upon themselves the way they were playing in that last period of the game, but I don't really see Spurs balling away to eighth or ninth by the end of the season. I don't think they get overtaken by the likes of Brighton and Brentford. Brentford. Mm. Yeah, maybe Brighton. Maybe, mm. but that's that's pushing it. Yeah. So because look, we can point the finger at Spurs as much as we like, and it's fun to do so. It's hilarious. We love doing it. But they're still having a relatively good season. And mm. the performances yeah, and the results, sometimes they they leave a little bit to be desired. But to be fourth at the moment, yes, it's a bit of a faux position because they've played mm. a couple extra games. But how much more further up the table are Spurs actually expected to go? I think Nowhere. it's a similar scenario where <laughs> they, can, they can stay where they are. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah they can even drop down a little bit. That's right. <laughs> but I think it's a little bit of uh, the angst from Spurs supporters, and well, I'm I'm happy to be corrected on this. It's the sense that they've fallen backwards. Yeah, compared to Arsenal, mm. that's where for mine a lot of the the anger is around Spurs fans at the moment because they see Arsenal potentially on their way to win the league. Yeah. And Spurs, who at the start of the season, we thought maybe they can be the ones to charge against City and Liverpool. Mm. But instead, they've been gazumped mm. and they're faltering and the football's not entertaining. Mm. I think if Arsenal were below them in the league, not well below them, but just roughly the same, I don't think there'd be that same sort of negative feel around the club at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, look, I agree. Look, and we don't want to turn this into an EPL review show, but it's kind of hard not to talk about the EPL given what the amount of managerial changes that have occurred this season and the context of this season, right? So we've still got another one to cover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's and it's ridiculous because there are some huge stories, like we said, um, that have come out of football this week uh, and results for that matter as well, right? But let's talk about character. <laughs> Brendan Rogers. This yeah. was a long time coming. This was a long time coming, yeah. Yeah. Um where to for Leicester? Because were they in, are they in free fall? They are in free fall. Brendan Rogers should have been gone back in October, November. They've been dreadful all season. Well below par for them. For the players that are at that football club, they have no reason to be in the bottom half of the league, let alone in the bottom two. Mm. And Yes, the club haven't been strengthening too much in the windows. There's been a little bit of question marks surrounding how much money they've actually got yeah. floating around. A lot of the talk was that that's why Brennan Rogers lasted so long is because they couldn't afford to sack him. Mm. So yeah. it's a difficult situation for them. I think they're in real trouble now. I think they are And too. they could have won this morning, but they just couldn't get their, their ducks in a row. Mm. Harry Sutar should have scored, and maybe they go on to win the game if he does. Yeah, that's football. It's on a knife edge most of the time, particularly when you're down in that part of the off the table. But mm. it's interesting. Where did Leicester go for a new manager? No idea. And the Nathan... talk was they tapped up Graham Potter. Yeah, they they sounded him out, but Potter wants a break from football, understandably. Completely. The guy looks like he's aged about twenty years in yeah in uh, eight months. It's amazing what Chelsea will do to you. Mm. I mean, really, he has looked like he has aged twenty years. But where do the Foxes go? Because surely at the moment it's firefighter time. Yeah. Allardyce. Well, <laughs> Crystal Palace brought back uh, Roy. So why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't Leicester look at uh, bringing Allardyce in? But, bring back Ranieri. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think Ranieri would go. <laughs> but look, uh, the funny thing is as well is that I don't think the sackings are over. I don't think so either. I think there's one happening maybe within the next week. Yeah. Nottingham Forest. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's lasted this long, knowing the owner. Uh, well, I don't yep. know the owner personally, but knowing of the owner yep. and how he acts at Olympia, uh, uh, I'm surprised that Steve Cooper has lasted this long. It's the same situation at Chelsea. Well, there's a lot of parallels anyway. Mm-hmm. Bring in so many new players. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The amount of time it takes for them to gel, for partnerships to form, it takes time. And yes, Forest look good at home, but they're a different team on the road. They look like a championship side away from home. Because they are. Yeah, well, they maybe. are a championship side. I, I, I thought they would actually survive, but the last few weeks have not actually filled me of any confidence. The thing is, any one of those teams from 13th down to 17th could easily find themselves in the relegation zone on the last day. Hmm. I think even 12th possibly, but yeah. Surely, but it's nah, crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, Palace can still get drained into it, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. One win against Leicester, yes, they were great in the game. Mm. But still, they can't score any goals. So if, if they don't pick up again, then they can drop down easily. It's just one game under Hodgson. Maybe they fall apart once more. But Evangelos Maranakis, the Nottingham Forest owner, mm-hmm. talking Lost. about the, uh, the situation with Steve Cooper, Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll ask your thoughts on it, Laz. That mm-hmm. he he says that he wishes to end the speculation mm-hmm. in the media to say that Steve Cooper remains our manager at Nottingham Forest. Is it a kiss of death? Absolutely. That's like the support of the board. <laughs> That's how like, long? How long are you giving Steve Cooper now? About like after, twenty minutes after after Greek Easter or Orthodox <laughs> Easter? I'm telling you. <laughs> so about a week and a half. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's like just getting the support of the board. So ten days from mm. now, we'll, we'll probably see that Cooper's done. I'm surprised he hasn't gone already. Uh, after so at least I. defeat, I thought it'd be sacked in the morning vibes. Yeah. 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 It doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for him. But um. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to revisit this. Uh, I think in about ten days or so, or two weeks, and uh, we will. More than likely, have another um, sacking in the Premier League. Unfortunately, which is just crazy if you think about it. Where does this madness stop with regards to planning and and um, you know and the managerial go you know merry go round? It's just crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah. If you're top at Leicester, mm-hmm. who runs the show? Mm-hmm. Where do you even look for a manager? Who do you go for? Who do you lo- who do you line up? Bielsa. <sighs> No, and and rebuild. Take them down down to the oh. championship and and rebuild from there. They need a rebuild. Do they? Yeah, they do. I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think there's that much rot there at Leicester. Oh, I think there is because you look at Madison Barnes. The midfield's pretty good. Madison will go. He'll get snapped up in the summer, right? Barnes will go. So Tielemans will go. So yeah, Leicester are in trouble. Le- Le- Leicester are in big trouble. If they go down, yeah, they're in big trouble. Yeah. I think if they manage to stay up, Barnes won't go. Well, yeah, if they manage to stay up, but I don't see that happening now. Mm. Uh, but there were a couple of other big results, weren't there, Nathan, this weekend? Oh, there certainly were. Certainly were. Are we going to talk about... Uh... No, let's go. No, we won't talk about, about the Geordies yet either. Oh, okay. But well, we'll talk, you, we'll talk you, about you know, Napoli. We'll talk about this Napoli. This is agonising. This yes, is agonising. You're, uh, you're just kicking the can down the road. Absolutely. Let's talk about <laughs> Napoli. What on earth s- happened there? Did anybody see that coming? And in light of the Champions League quarterfinal that's about to be played, it was a five nil? It finished four, four, four nil, four, four nil. nil. Laz, May as I'm well have been ask five. You. May as well have been a five. Yeah, I'm going to ask you mm. bit of a bit of a cross sport term here, but mm-hmm. Formula One mm-hmm. were Napoli ahead of the Champions League two legged tie coming mm. up? Were mm-hmm. they sandbagging? Mm, good, good question. I actually thought something similar. Uh, and yeah, look, Mil- Milan were very good. Milan were very good on the day, and Napoli just went at it. So Napoli are in a comfort zone with regards to the Serie A. They can't. It's really unassailable. I, I think it's unassailable, mathematically not, but it's not going to take much more for uh, for them to clinch the title. Uh, yeah, look. I think they've got their eye on the Champions League quarterfinal now because there's a real chance for them to get to the final. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they need two or three more wins, Napoli. Yeah. To lock up the Scudetto and yeah. they'll get that for sure. Yeah. I, I can't see them losing every week here on out in the league. No, that's right. I do that's wonder. Right. Well, I'm very, very much looking forward to that first quarterfinal between Napoli and AC Milan now. 
No, I agree. Is it the case that Napoli come out in that first 45 minutes and go, bang, 3-0, ties dead, yeah. hit him with a real performance that Milan wouldn't have been, wouldn't be seen coming given the result from the weekend? False sense of security type deal. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. The other result, Real Madrid 6, Real Valladolid 0. Yeah, I saw the first half of this. Mm. Uh in the in the lead up to uh, a match that which we'll come on to later on, but yes, Benzema he still got it, and what a way to get your hat trick! Yeah, crazy, absolutely crazy, and uh, Vadelid on the um, on the cusp of get, entering the relegation zone as well. So, mm. um, Espanyol are in the relegation battle, well and truly. Same with Valencia. I mean, who would have thought Valencia? And Sevilla only like four points away from relegation in Spain. So it's just absolutely bonkers there too. Well, Sevilla. Big clubs. Big club, yes. They're a victim of their transfer strategy for this season. Yes, for sure. You sell out your two starting centre-backs. You don't replace them. Mm. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hard to argue with you there, Nathan. Hard to argue with you. And you you got Alex Tellez playing a centre-back in a back three. Yeah. Online from Manchester United. Mm. (laughs) Yep. And... They've sacked their manager, Sevilla. Yep. They're, they're on to the next one. Maybe so, they pick up a little bit to see themselves away from it. But a club like that should no, be nowhere near the relegation zone. I can pretty much copy-paste everything I said about Leicester City mm. and apply it to Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah. We can just copy that entire discussion. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Bayern Munich uh, knocked out of the Purple, or the German Cup. I thought you were going to talk about uh, the match against Dortmund on the weekend. Well... I was going to talk about that as well, but you, mm-hmm. you've stolen my thunder there. But I mean, <laughs> it's just that because they've uh, they were kicked out, of, you know, they uh, were knocked out of the purple uh, this morning. So as we record, so yeah, it's yeah, Tommy Tuchel there getting a loss this morning. But what did you make of their performance against uh, Dortmund on the weekend? I want to talk about Borussia Dortmund's performance because mm-hmm. this was the chance for them to lay down a marker and stake a claim for the title this season. Gee, mm-hmm. it did not eventuate. That goal where the keeper's come out and he's just completely missed the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen a keeper error that, like that for a long time. Yeah. He didn't even touch it. No, you're right. You're right. He didn't even touch it. He didn't get anywhere near yeah. it. What's he doing? <laughs> it, it just seems to me that in recent times, uh, recent years, Bayern Munich and uh, Dortmund, whenever Dortmund have had the chance to try and assert themselves and try and you know position themselves uh where they can be in the in the pole position to win the title they've always been found you know lacking so it, it looks look Bayern's in the in the driver's seat three points clear eight games to go eight rounds to go in Germany so it's not over yet but Bayern are in the box seat and they I don't see them losing it from here especially with the managerial change now all right so a shout out to Sean Irwin, who sent me a message, Nathan. Oh, go on. What Sean had to say? Sean has uh, messages at the back peg on Instagram and said, Lads, surely Newcastle are getting more airtime this week on this pod. <laughs> and Sean's dummy in there. <laughs> yes, he has. So, where do we start? Where do we start? Ah, oh. how good. How good. How good was that? Look, it was a game that I thought would, you know, I looked at it with some trepidation and thought, okay, well, this is Manchester United. Uh, but I was confident Newcastle would win, but not like that. And, and it moving should, on. And it, <laughs> and it should have been more. It, sh- it should have been, in fact, I think, to be fair, uh, if um, if Newcastle could have put, put away their chances and if Joe Willock could score, Joe, should, Joe Willock should have had a, a hat-trick, really. Right? Scott McTominay scores the chances that he had. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably. all you're wanting for the next season. Probably, right. But, um, yeah, it's. I think that was a worse performance in part than the Liverpool performance. It was. It was. From a red perspective, the first half at Anfield was actually somewhat decent. Mm. Up until Cody Gakpo scored, about three minutes from halftime, mm. United were the better team. Mm. In this game, there was no portion of the match that where Manchester United were on yeah. top. They were never at it. Never. From no. minute one to minute nine, the entire way through, the entire team was flat. And 
Look, I can say congratulations to Newcastle. Fully deserved three points. Should mm-hmm. have been probably four nil. Would have been a yeah. fairer reflection on the on the way the teams were, yeah, look, were playing. Four, four or five, I think. You know, would have, you you steady on have, steady yeah. on. No, no. <laughs> uh, look, if it was five, you'd say fair enough because they were they were better, much better. I mean, you could say nine, and it'd be fair enough. Uh, the way the game far. was going, like how yeah. abject Manchester yeah. United were in the match. Yeah. The thing is, for Manchester United, that was a performance akin to the second half at Anfield, Mm -hmm. to the match at the GTEC at Brentford. Mm. That comes up time and time again, and it is something in this squad. There's a gremlin in this team that when the going gets tough, they crumble. They fall to pieces. It happens time after time after time. And this is something that the manager has to sort out, and he's not free of blame for those performances. Yeah, I think, well, Weghorst, two goals in 19 starts. Yes, maybe his linker plays okay, but he had, what what was it, 12 touches in this particular match? And Anthony Martial comes on in the second half and immediately looks like a whole new level of player. Yes, he he admittedly, he's got a low base to come from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm expecting about half an hour into the Brentford match in the morning that he'll pick up an injury. Yeah. Because the guy is made of glass. Unfortunately. Unfortunately for him, of course it is. Mm. But that's the case. The guy can't stay fit. Um, And these performances at Anfield, at St. James' Park, at the GTEC, they don't strike me of a a side three to go on to bigger and better things next season. It seems like, yes, the vibe around this season is a lot better than last season, but I saw we're only three points off better than last season. Yeah. So for all the good work that has been done, and yes, it is good work. You can't really take that away. There's still so much more work to do. And I think particularly with the goal kicks, we can talk about that. And I'll bring you in on that as well. Sure. Newcastle, they just let United play out from the back and they turn the ball over every single time. And it was chance after chance after chance. Every single time there was a goal kick, there was a chance for Newcastle United off the back of it. I was expecting maybe halfway through that second half, you guys, say 30 yards out from our goal, just mm. punt it into the stand just to get another goal kick because <laughs> it's going to result in a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, the intensity that uh, Newcastle displayed was um, there for all to see and it was good to see that kind of performance at home. And it wasn't a revenge thing about the League Cup. Uh, the players at Newcastle knew that that was an opportunity missed. Um, and like we've said before, that Newcastle had to score first and keep a clean sheet. I think like there was no doubt that they would keep a clean sheet um, in that performance and on the weekend. And um, I think that it bodes well for, like, you know, right now, Newcastle are in the box seat for Champions League, uh, for a Champions League spot, which I never thought I would say during at some point this season. Mm. I thought we would be close, but not, you know, not close enough. But it's there now. So just go and get it now. Because you guys had a wobble. Yeah. Yeah, we in did. In January. And yeah. it looked like you were going to fall away a little bit. Yeah. But, Storm weather camp or Eddie Howe's management, there's a whole host of factors that go into it. And also, you guys I think, have recovered. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the pressure that the players, I think, put themselves under uh, with regard to the League Cup final and being presence of mind there, um, I think there are lessons to be learned from that. So, yeah. But uh, it was an f- emphatic performance and it was uh, good to see. But let me hit you, with, and let mm. me see, hit you with some fucks. <laughs> some what? <laughs> I was using. I was doing my Rafa Benitez there. Facts. Yeah, <laughs> go on. <laughs> oh fucks. Yeah. Oh, we'll probably get an E rating now, explicit rating, because I've said <laughs> fucks instead of facts. But <laughs> did you know that? Um, and I'm going to credit Copper Ninety here. Juan Mata is the first player ever to have joined Manchester United from Chelsea. Oh, there you go. Hmm. I suppose Chelsea weren't really relevant. Yeah. Enough. Previously, for United Perhaps. to go and uh, go shopping at Chelsea. Oh, if you if you want to see how relevant they were, have a look at Stamford Bridge in the seventies. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And uh, in the since 80s. Uh, si- si- just quietly, since Sean's piping up about uh, here we go. this match getting a lot of uh, attention, let let let's throw a few more shots at Chelsea then. <laughs> <laughs> but really, how good were Newcastle United? Honestly, they were just <laughs> bloody awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. I've been buzzing all weekend. I did check in to see you, you know, how you were feeling on, on Monday uh, morning. you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You should send me a, a jibe. 
No, there's no need. You know, <laughs> if I was much yeah, younger, yeah. if I was much younger, yes, I would have. A younger <laughs> me would have done that. But I but, know that so they're taking the win and the moral win as uh, well. Well, no, look, they always come <laughs> back. They always come back and bite you on the ass. So, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, if Man City conceded from every single shot on target in the 2017-18 season, they would still have won the league. Just think about that for a second. That's a stat. That's a stat and a half. That I imagine it would have been still be by some distance as well. Mm. I've got a surprising one here for you, and this is for Chelsea mm. again. John Terry scored more Premier League goals for Chelsea than and yesterday scored La Liga goals for Barcelona. Good stat. Mm. Good stat. Good stat. I, su- I suppose you don't have it off the top of your head, but uh, I wonder no. what the how yeah, the assists and the that, pre-assists. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, yes, that. Oh well, and yes, the bust yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Thomas Muller has ten goals at the World Cup, but has never scored at the Euros. Wow, little football quirks, huh? Yeah, here's one for you. Mm. The last, no, this can't be right. <laughs> Even you're doubting your own facts. <laughs> no, no, this is Copernani. It could be right. But the last team to beat Real Madrid in a European Cup final was Aberdeen in 1983. That was the Fergie Cup. Yeah, it was. And I uh, saw so he's actually getting a, a winner's medal now for that tournament 40 Is years he later. Really? Because they didn't give him out to managers at the time. Okay. And so UEFA have gone back and gone through the records and actually going to give Fergie a, uh, a medal for winning the final, which is great to see. Well, that's good. That's really and good. Maybe winning the... Winning the European Trophy with Aberdeen or breaking the duopoly in Scotland because only Celtic and Rangers have won it since. Mm-hmm. Maybe, or you could argue that those are Fergie's greatest achievements. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a fair argument for that. It's a laundry list of ones you could pick from, but... There's a fair argument for that. Well, yeah, well said. So what caught your eye this week, Nathan? There's so much that, so much uh, around, but yeah, what is it that uh, caught your eye? Well, we covered off the two... Mm-hmm. Managerial sackings, they're the two big stories, mm-hmm. aside from results of the past week. Um, there was one thing that I saw, and we have to bring it up every episode, it is fever. <laughs> and this is the resurgence of a topic that uh, we don't particularly like talking about, that uh, caused some controversy during the Qatar Men's World Cup. Yes. Surrounding armbands and the colour of armbands causing issues. Yep. So Germany for the upcoming Women's World Cup, were hoping and aiming and preparing to wear a rainbow armband. Right. As in the, the one that the captain would wear. Okay. FIFA, they stomped, they stamped it out at the World Cup back in December because colours cause problems, and they've stamped it out again. Mm-hmm. So FIFA are forbidding rainbow armbands during the upcoming Women's World Cup. Okay. And this, combined with the Visit Saudi Tourism Campaign, it just uh, just doesn't sit right, does it, lads? Because this no. is something that FIFA, they need to read the room. Yeah, yeah. Look, I don't, I don't know what to make of FIFA and what they uh, need to do. Look, at the end of the day, um, it's an armband. Okay, if a nation wants to show support for that cause, why are you stopping them? I mean, it's, you know, especially in a looking at the country that is hosting the World Cup where free speech, well, support, you know, you're supposed to have a level of free speech. It would, you know, within reason, I guess. Um, you can't just go and um, go willy nilly and uh, abuse people in the name of free speech and uh, hurt, you know, uh, discriminate against people. But and and you know, um, can't contravene those laws. But um, you know, it's it's a mountain out of a molehill, really. And and this is what makes these issues so big. So, for instance, okay, so another uh, another issue which is similar to this, and, and I'm thinking, why is this being covered? I understand the significance and the cultural significance of this, but it's so the issue is, and, and this caught my eye as well, is that um, play like, and it's all over social media that um, people being applauded, applauding uh, referees and teams and things like that for allowing players of the Muslim faith to break their fast in-game for Ramadan. Um, it should just be an expected human norm, and that is the and that is the case. And it's, yes, okay, but we've done it now. Does it need to be congratulated every time that it happens? I think it does. Because Do you? I think, you it should, sen- I think it's just, it should just be a human norm. And It should be a human norm, and because that's it. the reason why you know, I 
push back and say mm. that it still should be applauded is because you have scenarios like in French football right. where they haven't allowed play to stop okay. for players well, that, to get some energy. Okay. Well, that's my uh, yeah. Well, that's my ignorance there because I was unaware that that's the case. But I would have thought that you know these issues, um, you know, it's just a matter of human decency, and and not only that, it's they're they're not. They should, because it's a matter of just decency, they they don't need to be um, politicised or lauded or whatever the case, whatever the term is, right? Whatever the, the right term is, to the extent that they are, because they're making like FIFA now with that decision, they made a rod for their own back, and they're going to cop the flack, and it's going to the issue is going to keep raising its head, and this is going to be the case every four years now with any World Cup, and it's just just not necessary. Exactly, and it is exacerbated because UEFA have no problem with rainbow armbands. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. If, in the case of Saudi Arabia, yes, I understand culturally it was an issue. Okay, well, send the edict out, or whatever it is, and say, listen, guys, this is what the cultural sensitivity around this issue is. Um, But the fact is, is that when it comes to Western norms, we say, well, hang on, we respect your culture, but we have reserved the right to protest and it's you know it's not an issue it's not an issue which should be up for debate it should be hey this is what the country is doing this is the stance we're taking yeah we respect your rules and laws but this is what you know this is where we're coming from and it's important in in our culture and our uh way forward and um you know of highlighting these things um so yeah, it's. I, I just think that. I just think that these politics and sport issues are always going to be there. But is it? This is, and there's the significance of the armbands, and we've seen it in the A League, and it's. It's not something that is blinked at. So allow it. Just let it happen. Let it play. People made their point, and off we go. And like I said, really, it just comes down to. Look, and obviously the media are always looking for things as well, right? There's always a story that it's always there for it to be, you know, for a situation to be exacerbated, amplified, whatever the case is. It looks like that. It seems like we're run, like, you know, they want to get onto the weekly hobby horse. Yeah, because emotions drive engagement. Right. When Which drives advertising revenue. Which just move on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this becomes a a non-issue, and off we go. And and people can have the choice; they want to wear it. Great, you know, whatever the case is, you know. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely. why. And, and that's why I mentioned that thing about the fasting. It's not a sorry. Uh, didn't mean to talk over you there, but that's no, why I, I was the one that, talking over you. No, nah, okay. <laughs> so that's why I mentioned the thing about the fasting as well. Like it's to me, to my eyes, okay. You need to step. You know. It's not something that would even cross my mind. It's yeah, go ahead and do it. It's a safety thing for the players as well. A hundred percent. It's it's to get some energy on board. Yeah. It's... Uh, otherwise, you might see the situation where some players will collapse on the field. Yeah, of course. And you that's don't not something that. anybody wants to see. And you don't um, want that, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know what the point... French league are playing at. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's they've got so many issues there at the moment, <laughs> France, which we won't delve into. With the armbands as well, it got knocked back in Qatar. And the players at the time, there were suggestions that they were going to do it anyway. But then FIFA said, if you don't do this, you'll forfeit and you'll concede. You'll get points deductions, all these sorts of things. I wonder whether the women's game on that side of things, mm-hmm. the players are going to say points deductions or we'll take it on the chin. We'll do mm-hmm. it anyway. I think there's a bit more. Ooh, I think there's a bit more. Um, I don't. There's a few should, words that I can be, say that aren't it, quite it shouldn't, no. accurate, but. Yeah. I think there's more impetus for the women's side to promote these sorts of uh, off-field things around the game and good yeah. on them. Yeah, I wish the men's game was in the same vein. Yeah, I think posed with the same threat of points deductions. I think the women's, some of the teams and some of the captains and some of the coaches, they'd say, fuck it, do it anyway. Sure. And look, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, you would look at some of the teams and they would do it, right? Um yeah, uh, uh, it's it's just a question of if they're going to go, you know, if if they're going to go and 
fight this to that point, to that extent, yes, and then be prepared to actually lose the points. But it's just an armband, for goodness sakes. I mean, mm. you know. And again, There's a lot like of parallels a... here with the, the poppies yeah. that would go on, on the shirts in the, in the UK for yeah. Remembrance Weekend. Yeah. The same sort of story. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. I mean, it, it, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it, you know. Anyway, it's going to become a political issue, obviously, within the game now, and that's the sad thing, right? It doesn't need to be. Just say, yep, look, you that's your cause. You want to... And maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe, you know, you know, and stand to be corrected and, and say, look, you know, FIFA want to up, you know, they might have their reasons for it. I don't understand what, what they are. Maybe it's easier for them just to, you know, not deal with it that way. They go, look, these are the armbands we're issuing. They're FIFA issued, you know, armbands and you, you're going to wear it and you're going to like it. Okay. I don't know. I don't know, but. Uh, I get the cause that um, I understand the cause and, and the sensitivity of, um, you know, around this issue. And uh, although, like I said, I'm, we're not in their shoes. So we don't know exactly how people feel about it ourselves, right? You only know if you're in their shoes. So if you walk a mile in someone's shoes, then you have a greater appreciation for something. And that's where the, the thing about decency just comes in and just treat people the way you want to be treated and, and why can't that be a rule? But anyway, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, well, well said. Well said. And we shall move on to uh, other stories surrounding well, the world of football this week. And last, yeah. what else caught your eye? Yeah, look, um, there's nothing really to blow up about, which is good, right? There's nothing to use profanity about. To, Ooh, to can use we conjure point. something up? <laughs> Possibly, but I know you like it elsewhere, but, uh, you know, there's no need for it. <laughs> But I'll get my big stick out. Herb Renard is. <laughs> I've noticed that Herb Renard has become the um, the coach of the French women's national team now. Yeah, I saw this, which, and which is interesting. Yeah, probably a good appointment. Left the um, the cushy job of the Saudi Arabian national team, and the Saudi at least Arabian one of the yellowest Sa- players in English. That's right, the Saudi Arabian national men's team, I should say, mm-hmm. and is um, and now will be in charge of the French. National women's team in the forthcoming upcoming World Cup. Um, that's an interesting move, and the different nuances around the you know uh, between the men's and the women's game. It's funny, Les. We've seen a manager from the men's game go into the women's game, mm-hmm. and dialing it back to one of our previous discussions, mm. you never see a manager from the women's game go into the men's game. It's very rare. Mm. The only one that comes to mind is Alan Stasic mm-hmm. down here. Yes, that's uh, that's the only one that comes to mind. Actually, I know and one one that was doing. On. Sorry, I know of one that was doing it at the same time uh, here locally. Ante Juric. Oh, yeah, he of was. Yeah, he was coaching the Sydney FC women's uh, team and coaching last season the Sydney Olympic men's uh, NPL one team. Mm, yeah, uh, but it's not something we really see too often, and no. it shows that there's a bit more of uh, maybe. Maybe someone needs to be a bit of a trailblazer on that front when it comes to the European side of things. Because when we talk about Chelsea managers, not saying that they should do it, Mm -hmm. but to not even have Emma Hayes in the discussion. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point because she's a great manager as well. And what I I saw a report this week that they should bring Lampard back as an interim for the rest of the season. What for? Just if you're going to do that, you might as well take a chance on Emma Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. So, did you see the Matildas kit drop and the uh, Football Ferns kits drop for the World Cup, the Women's World Cup? I did see it. And uh, the most of the other Nike kits as well. I love that it's green shorts, white socks. Mm-hmm. That's what Australia should play in every single time. Yep. I love I love this kit. It should be the men's kit. It should be the men's kit. It's much better. Home and away. Home and the away. Yep. Agree. I think, will they need to bring out a, a darker third kit? Just for uh, any clashes, possibly, uh, possibly. I, I, I don't think that's been canvassed, but uh, I think. Uh, and the New Zealand kids look pretty smart as well, actually. They do. Done... I think across the board, though, Nike or Nike with their kits, mm-hmm. they're a bit lackluster. Yes, the Australian kits are good, mm. but across their offering for this tournament, mm-hmm. compared to Adidas, mm-hmm. it's not even close. I haven't seen the other ones, so I I, I can't comment, but. Um... They're but very I much like the men's kits at the world that the okay. last World Cup for the 
for that in the sense that they're all very template. They all look very similar. Right. You can tell that some kits are just a different color palette. Sure. I did like what I see. Uh, I did like what I saw, I should say, uh, with regards to um, Australia and New Zealand. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Just on, on the Matildas kit, actually, I'll ask you, because you mm. might know. Mm. Some of the players in the promo shoots, mm -hmm. when you look close at the kit, they've got a different pattern in the gold section of the kit. Like the swirls are different. Okay. I don't know if that is a thing or there was a mistake with some of the photography. I'm not sure. But it looks like some players mm -hmm. were wearing different kits in terms of the design. And okay. that that's something that'd be very interesting. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Uh, I don't recall seeing that, but there you go. I don't know if FIFA would allow it because the kits would be not dramatically different, of course, but a slightly different swirl. It's like a fingerprint style where everyone's a little bit different. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out in due course. But they, I was very, I thought they were very impressive. I thought they were very impressive. So, Nathan, I've got a couple more facts for you. More Whilst facts? We look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This It just seems to be the day for it. And uh, mm. Manchester United have never lost a home game when leading at half time since 1984. Great start. It is one I knew, I must say. Mm, there you go. It, it's a incredible stat. No one's been able to peg us back at half time. Or from halftime, if yeah. uh, we are winning, that's right. Uh, there is a. Scottish... We might need to. We might need to invoke that stat in the morning <laughs> against Brentford because we might need it. <laughs> Go Brentford! Now <laughs> there is a Scottish team that has won the Copa del Rey. What? Yes, there is a Scottish football club that has won the Copa del Rey. Who? And it's not Celtic, and it's not Rangers, mm. and it's not Hibs or Hearts. Who is it? Motherwell. Why were Motherwell competing in the Copa del Rey? No idea. I have to look into that. <laughs> no backstory, just the fact. No backstory, just the fact. <laughs> just the fact. <laughs> Jose Mourinho once went 150 home league games unbeaten between mm. 2002 and 2011. The special one. You could throw in that crazy stat about his time at Chelsea at home as well mm. with the defence. Incredible, incredible. And Tottenham, back to Tottenham, have only renewed a <laughs> manager's contract one time in 22 years under Daniel Levy. Oh, oh so it says everything it needs to say, doesn't it? Yep. So, yeah, but well, they're um, not getting so, Nagelsmann anymore, are they? I don't. I don't believe so. If he, if he, if Nagelsmann goes to England, I think it's um, for Chelsea. So, um, yeah. So they were things that happened to catch my eye, but. Mm. Comments. We talked about FC Barcelona earlier, and I said something that uh, popped up this week. UEFA president, Alexander Seferin, mm. quote, unquote, uh, I should say, he's been quoted. I won't say the unquote yet because I haven't said it. <laughs> quote, the situation is extremely serious. It is so serious that in my opinion, it is one of the most serious situations in football that I have ever seen, unquote. And that is with regards to the refereeing scandal. I have to agree with him. So because if this is proven to be factual and Barcelona have paid off a referee, this is something that will change the fabric of the game. Because look, it was always a bit of a joke. Ah, the referees, they've all been paid off. Mm -hmm. Something that people use to slander the sport. Mm -hmm. And look, I don't particularly like giving that sort of uh, attitude airtime, particularly mm -hmm. on a football show, but it just gives credence to it that Something that like something like that actually happened. So, if it is proven to be true and factual, yep. and Barcelona are found guilty, yep, they need the book thrown at them. Yeah, they do. They do. And you and won't. They, and they you won't book. disagree with that at all. No, that's not even with your Madrid hat on. I, I well, that's right. And they're not the best club in Barcelona anyway. So there you go. <laughs> no, but um... <laughs> well, they might not be if they get a, a significant enough punishment. That's correct. That's correct. So there were two suspensions handed there overnight. You know the one. You would know. Alexander Mitrovic. Alexander Mitrovic, eight matches. Eight I games. Think that's yep. pretty fair. But there's Funnily another enough, Yeah. Just on Mitrovic, mm -hmm. I think it is the second game mm -hmm. back from his ban is at Old Trafford. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. But there was another suspension handed overnight that you may not have seen. Go on, hit me. The Mexican referee has been suspended for 12 matches after kneeing a player in the groin. I saw this incident. I didn't see the suspension. Uh, so you did see this. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw the incident, yeah. Right. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
<laughs> it's very funny. Very Never funny. seen anything like it. I haven't seen anything like it either. It's brilliant. So, yes. So, uh, referee, Mexican referee, uh, Liga M- in the Liga MX, uh, Fernando Hernandez, lead Lucas Romero from Leon in the match that uh, Leon or Lions were playing against uh, Club de America. And, um, yes, as the player is, you know, obviously protesting and uh, trying to stand in the face of the referee, the referee pulls his yellow card out and also proceeds to give him one of the Jats crackers. (laughs) Just for good measure. (laughs) Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, haven't seen something like that before, but there you go. I think there's a few referees across the world would be uh, looking over there and say, oh, I should have done that. There was one player who was pissing me right off. Yeah. There's a few serial pests out there, isn't there? Very true. In terms of how much they uh, complain to the referees. Very true. Very true. Well, so sure what else caught you? A couple. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But what caught your eye? We've talked about uh, what just, caught my eye. What's caught just, your eye this week? Just one other thing I wanted to bring up, and it is the issue, issue of PSG mm-hmm. and Messi. Mm-hmm. The PSG supporters are, are booing Messi and blaming him for their Champions League exit and some of the poor showings that the team has shown. Mm-hmm. This is a club that is just a complete joke. Top to bottom. They are. Ever since the takeover. Nasser Al-Khalifi can cuddle up to UEFA as much as he wants. And I think that's partially a lot of the reason why we're seeing some chat about multi-club ownership is his his influence on the European Club Council. Mm-hmm. The PSG, they're never going to get it right. They, I will happily st- say here that PSG will never properly get it right. They'll never be able to build a team that we can look back on and say that was one of the best teams we've ever seen. It will never happen because they're too short-termist. They see too many shiny things and say, oh, ooh, let's get him. Oh, let's get him. He's a good player. Let's buy him. Bit of the top bowling thing that we've seen this season. Yep, yep. PSG will never be the best team in the world. No, they won't. They won't. They, they might be the best team on paper. That's one point or another. I, I just don't get this thing where these uh, PSG fans are whistling at Messi and carrying on and then hoping for him to sort of... What's the point if you're going to boo him? Why would he stay? Yeah. I don't Unlike some it. people. Mm. Unlike some people. The guy's got nothing to prove. Mm. Yeah, exactly He should right. go back to Barcelona or into Miami or uh, Newell's Old Boys. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, a I lot think... of avenues for Messi to go and where he mm. can be loved and see how the rest of his career. And mm. PSG is not one of those places. Yeah, I think it'll be a a move to the United States rather than going back to Barcelona, though. Even Barcelona might harbour hopes of actually um, getting Messi back, but I don't see that happening. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Les, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Hmm. Newcastle United. Who you got this week? Who do we have this week? Who do we have this week, Nathan? Um, no, look, I am looking forward to the game against West Ham as, as well. Hopefully, um, hopefully things go well in that game for Newcastle United. But, um, yeah, there's, see, there's a couple of other things that I'm looking forward to. But um, on the weekend, uh, we've got Brentford. So That's a tough game, though. It is. So, yeah, it's a London. So the next three are away for... Um, uh, for Newcastle United. So West Ham in the morning, um, which would have been played by the time you hear this, uh, Brentford on the weekend in London, West London, and um, then Villa, away to Villa the week, you know, the weekend after. Those are three tough games that are really. Like West Ham on paper, it's an easy win, but mm. <laughs> you, you guys have a, a bit of a rough record in London. Yeah, and the next two after that aren't easier either. Although mm. we've got Spurs at home. That's a big game for the top four race. That yeah, looks, it is. It is. That's a who all knows what Spurs going to look like by then. Yeah, yeah, all jokes aside, yeah, that is a big, big game. Uh, but it's up at St James, so um, it should, you know, a favour is uh, in that one, obviously. And Everton away, which you know, Everton are in the scrap, you know. So, Les, those five games. Mm. What was it? West Ham away, Brentford away, mm-hmm. um, Spurs at home, Villa Everton away, no, so and Villa. Yeah, so Villa, so it's Villa West in Ham. The yeah, so West Ham, Brentford, Villa, all away, and then. What's your sort of points expectation for that for those five games? What would you take out of that? 
So what would I take? What would I take out of that? Uh, if I, if I offered you ten points, yeah. would you take it? Yes, I would. But I I, I actually think thirteen is realistic. Is is plausible between twelve? You know, either twelve or thirteen. Look, I think if you get thirteen points out of those five games, then you'll be pretty much nailed on for top four. Yeah, Pro- probably even third. Yeah, yeah. Look, in so nine. I'd even take eleven to be honest. Yeah, you know, but ten, yeah, yeah, you'd take ten. But no, I think uh, eleven would be would hit the mark out of those five because it is a tough run. It, it is. is a tough run, tough it places is. to go, it is. and teams in other teams in a good spot like Villa. Villa are no easy beats now. Correct. Neither are Brentford. Brentford one loss in nineteen games. Maybe, mm. hopefully, they've made it two mm. by the time you're listening to this, but. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> but um, uh, hopefully Brentford wins in the morning. But uh, against Man U, up at Man U. But, um, yeah, the other thing I'm looking for, there's an El Clasico tomorrow morning as well. So, look, unfortunately, these these games will be played um, and, uh, you know, everybody will know the results of them. But, yeah, these are the kind of things that, uh, that I'm looking forward to. Um so look, there's a lot of football to be played this weekend again. So it's it's geez, you know, there's a lot of I think because of the World Cup obviously being when it played when it was, um, you know, the, all the leagues are playing catch up now and it's just the crazy the amount of football that's being played. Yeah, you're not wrong. And for the big teams it is a game every three days. Mm. For a lot of the teams it's a game mm. every three days and it's a bit like uh who was it? Was it Helen Lovejoy? Won't somebody please think of the players? Hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. his reference. But yeah. uh, it's it just keeps going. The football doesn't stop. And no. for mine this weekend, I have to mention the old firm derby. Yeah, I forgot about that. Saturday night, 9.30. Yeah. It'll be a cracking game. It's the second last one of the season. And well, Rangers, they have to win it. So a lot of impetus in that game. A lot of edge, as it always is, and tackles be flying, flying, and very much looking forward to that. Um, Adelaide, Sydney, is a good mm. one in the Adelaide men's. Yeah, yeah. Friday, Friday afternoon, Good Friday, five mm. PM kickoff, I think it is. Mm. Um, I'd also like to point to uh, Man United against Arsenal in the WSL. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Big win for Arsenal last weekend over City. Mm. Didn't really see that coming. And uh, one other one is uh, Benfica Porto. In the Portuguese so league, yeah, yeah. See that that's a good one. Shame it's not on any of the uh, the broadcasters here, the Portuguese league, not any of the mainstream ones, anyway. So true. But uh, yeah, that, that's sort of what I picked out for what I'm looking forward to this week, and just having a look around the leagues. There's big games. There'll be a story that comes out of one of the games we haven't even mentioned. Yeah, and that, and, losing or something like that. Yeah, and well, I know that Real Madrid are hosting the um, Villarreal as well this weekend. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Uh, like we said, there's a lot of football being played. A lot of football being played. But um, should we go to our weekly look at uh, the Colombian Primera? Let's start with the V-League, I reckon. Okay, you want to start with Let's the V-League Let's start there? because it's, it's the long-awaited return of the V-League. It's It's been too long. I've lost count how many episodes we've done since we last checked in with our V-League sides. It feels like the start of a new season. It and, does, uh, doesn't it? My guys, we picked many weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kong An, they're in action against uh, Haiphong. It's on Saturday night. See, because okay. uh, look, four, it was four games that they played before the pause, and pretty much those four games are done and dusty. You can't read anything into it in terms of what happened, results, form, ladder positions. Mm-hmm. It effectively is the start of a new season. So all mm-hmm. the excitement's there again for part B of the yeah. League for season 23. Yeah, well, hopefully, Ho Chi Minh City actually. Uh decides to use this new start to the season uh, positively uh, because they're um, languishing in 12th at the moment um, in the relegation, you know, um, in the bottom half of the table. So there's a relegation playoff um, system from 7th to 14th. And yeah, um, but um, let's see what uh, happens. So Hajimin City, three points from four games, not great. And... Um, yeah, let's see how uh, how they go with their start to uh, their restart um, to the to the uh, season, but um, they are at home to Hanoi FC this Saturday. 
yes, hopefully it's a, for your boys, it's a, it's a renewed outlook on the season and Hanoi's a tough game. Hanoi's a mm. tough game. Mm. So we'll see how they get on. I think there was a little bit of cup action in the break, but uh, we're here for the B-League and uh, we're <laughs> also here for the uh, Colombian Primera. And let's just see what happens there, eh? In Vietnam. Now that they're back and they're no longer lazy, <laughs> good to see. Good to see. Uh, we may as well play some of this football malarkey. <laughs> That's right. 100%. 100%. So, Deportivo Cali have got La Equidad at home this weekend. And, uh, yeah, Deportivo Cali languishing in the bot- in bottom. 20th. Eight oh, it's from- not been a good start. It has not. Eight points from 11 games, so it's not great. Not great at and, all. Uh, America de Cali had a nil all against uh, Jaguares. Flying, flying. Last time out. Uh, yes, they're doing well. But, Second uh, place, sitting pretty. They picked up a couple of injuries recently, a couple of long-termers. I think someone tore their meniscus in the last match, so uh, we'll see how the score depth is. Uh, they don't play until next Wednesday, almost a week until mm. they play next against uh, Aguilas. Fair enough, fair enough. Have we hit the back peg, Nathan? I think we have hit the back peg. It's been a Thank big you very show. much for joining us. It has been a, been a big show. Big recording. Been a big, show. Mm. big recording. Uh, time's sticking over to uh, over two hours now. And it's been great. Thank you very much for getting uh, Glenn on the show. Glenn was a great get and mm. some valuable insight. Thank you to the backpackers for making it this far in the episode. Uh, the ones that have been here since the beginning and any that we've picked up along the way. We love you all the same. Indeed, and, indeed. Uh, send all your feedback through to at the backpeg on Twitter and Insta. And uh, Laz, over to you. Thank you very much for joining me once again. No, and, thanks uh, again. Thanks again, Nathan. Yeah, thanks again, Nathan. Um, thanks for everything you do. And uh, thanks to all the backpackers out there. And uh, have a great week. Talk soon. Bye now. <laughs>